Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I want to talk about my friend. I want to share something that is so dear to my heart. And I don't think that even in the preparations that I made to minister to you, I will have the words sufficient to explain what I want to share with you today. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I've had several sermons, you know, about the Holy Spirit. And I believe that as long as I live, there are many ways that I will talk about this person. And in every way, I believe that I'll be sharing a uniqueness, okay, of revelation and understanding in this course of ministry. Because I don't think that the church will ever have enough words to explain or express the ministry of the person of the Holy Spirit. And even in this period that we're going through as a nation, as a continent, as a world, there are things that I've felt recently in my moments with this person that have come so much to light and I felt in this period and season before that I need to share these things with you. Why? Because today there's a huge confusion, if I may say, sadly, in the body of Christ, in the Christdom at large, touching the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. Firstly, when you ask many people, who is the Holy Spirit? They'll tell you, Holy Spirit is the active power of God, okay? They sort of think or reason, when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you're talking about an active force. You're talking about just a force, like a sort of wind that blows over someone and then they feel a certain inspiration or a certain direction of thought. They think the Holy Spirit is simply an element in the Godhead that he uses to execute, you know, work on the earth. Many people have not understood the Holy Spirit as a person. They cannot and have failed to relate with the Holy Spirit as a person. Or if they try, it has become hard for them to relate with that invisible person. And because of that, it affects our ministry individually. It affects our way of life in the Christian faith. And today, as the liberties of the Spirit are becoming more realistic to the church through revelation, I've seen something that has been so grieving you know, to the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I have had a fear, and this I speak from the apostolic office, that some people have entered the liberties of the Spirit without the maturity to sustain that authority. And the grace of God available for us to either function in these experiences or to move in these giftings of the Holy Spirit, to know the ways of the Spirit, it has become so manipulated, so abused, that... This the Lord kept impressing on my heart that today, if we don't bring a certain sanity and balance to this ministry, we see that many people are going to really have very sad endings in their lives as ministers. And some are not only going to destroy themselves, but will destroy multitudes 
of people because as the liberties of the spirit continue to be revealed to us because it's sort of the fulfillment of the word spoken that in the last days knowledge shall be increased. Some people have received this knowledge with selfish pursuit. They've received this knowledge with a lasting. They have received this knowledge with carnal understanding. And because the gifts today in our generation are the qualifiers of the ministries of men and not knowledge and wisdom, we have to get the generation back to help them understand what really defines the man or the woman of God. The Bible says wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times and shall be the strength of your salvation. The strength of our salvation, the stability of our times is aimed in wisdom and knowledge, okay? Not in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit have their part. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives has its part. And his part is simply for the justification, okay, of the affirmed wisdom that we carry in God. Never forget that, that the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is the justification of the affirmed wisdom that we have in God, but a wisdom which the Spirit teaches, okay? So the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit firstly is to teach you. He says, for I shall send you a counselor, which is the Holy Spirit, who shall teach you all things. He says, he shall teach you all things. And the Bible says, and bring to remembrance to you whatsoever I have said unto you. It's a primary ministry of the Holy Spirit. This comforter, this strengthener, this person, the Holy Spirit who is within us and with us, his primary ministry is to teach us. He teaches us wisdom. Okay? And when he teaches us wisdom, he goes to the end of that wisdom to manifest himself in our lives and in our personal ministries, corporate line of the body of Christ. So in the end that he might justify, okay, he might be the justifier, you know, of us, the vindicator of us in the spirit that indeed we know and we are of God. Okay. Now, in my circles of growth, when I was growing up, I saw God anoint many young men and women for the work of the Lord. I have walked with God for quite a long time. I have been in active ministry for now more than 15 years, all right? And I have seen, I have been exposed to many young men, many young women who all had a uniqueness of gifting. They had a very unique story and testimony and whom I saw many great, great miracles, many, many great wonders. I remember in our university days, this one fellow, we were seated in a lunch hour because there was a time we almost hated food and we used to sit in the chapel from about midday, one to two. We just used to sit and wait on God. And I remember one great fellow who one time comes in and he was supposed to be ministering and he comes late. It's very late. He had probably about 15 minutes and he stands on that pulpit and he says, I'm sorry, I'm late. I was delayed because the Lord was speaking and I could not come until he finished. And this fellow sat for the last 15 minutes and spoke the words of God and prophesied on individuals and we saw an anointing like we had never seen before. I remember by the end of service, we were all passed out slain in the power of the Holy Ghost and people received words of knowledge. People were healed. It was amazing. I saw many great days. I remember days we used to go on the mountain to pray and we would have mighty experiences, mighty visitation. And many times the presence would linger for hours and would come down on the mountain. And I remember one of those days we were walking and we found people on the road and they were getting 
slain by the power of the Holy Spirit without us saying anything. I remember us sitting in restaurants and people are weeping, you know, coming close to us. You know, those days still exist in my life where some people can't shake my hand. I've seen the tangible power of this person. I have had a relationship with him, okay? And as the liberties continued to increase, I started to see within even our circles and the people that I've seen over the years, even ministers later in life that I've seen, and I started to see them grieve person of the Holy Spirit. I said to see them resist the person of the Holy Spirit. I said to see them quench, you know, the person of the Holy Spirit and how they related to the liberties of the Spirit. And here was the challenge. The person of the Holy Spirit is a very gentle person. He's the most gentle person I have ever seen or ever met. He's real. He's more real than anybody that I know. But the thing that amuses me most is his gentility. The things that he does in inviting you to his spaces and then to see later what he can do and what he is able to do, even in his humility, is a very humbling thing. And this is the thing that usually breaks me to tears. It literally breaks me because I see this very mighty, strong person who searches the deep things of God, who is available to teach, who is available to preserve, who is available to heal, who is available to defend me. He knows how to fight for me. You know, Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard. When the enemy comes in like a flood, like a flood, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord shall lift a standard. I've seen how this person can lift a standard above those that hate you, those that fight you, the things that are against you. I've seen him, I know how he works. The things that amaze me is how he gently invites. How so humble he is that you could easily miss him. All right? So humble that you could easily miss him. How he never imposes. How he never forces men. How <laughs> words fail me. I cannot express, you know? And so... That humility of his service can be abused, can be grieved. Because in that humility, as a helper, many people do not know how to deal with a power that is humble. They do not know how to deal with a humble greatness. They don't know how to deal with a humble person if they're so mighty, you know, the Spirit of God is a very humble person. And it's so hard to reconcile that when you're dealing with a stronger person. It's easy to understand that from the way people understand this. For example, when the Bible says, For this reason shall a man leave his own father and mother and go be joined together with his wife, and the two shall become one. Okay, When they become one flesh, God tells the man, Love your wife, okay, even as Christ has loved the church. And then tells the wife, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, okay? The woman comes as a helper, suitable, right? In Genesis, the Bible says, I shall make him a helpmate suitable, a helper suitable, a helper met for him, okay? So when the woman comes in as a helper of the man, all right, many people look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit as the woman submitting helping the man. And so they confuse that helper 
to the man and when they hear that God is sending the Holy Spirit and that Spirit is also coming as a helper, some in their mind, their understanding of the helper is as to the wife, to the husband. But I never want you to forget this, that when it comes to the physical realm, the understanding of man and wife, okay, the helper suitable woman is a submitted entity to the man, okay, she's a helping entity to the man in her submission to him, all right? The Holy Spirit is not submitted to us. He is a leading helper. He's not a submitted helper. But as he starts to lead you into greatness, as he starts to expose certain experiences and you start to see him and understand him, the more he manifests on your life, the more gentle he becomes. And the more gentle he becomes, you can be confused as of whether he is submitted to you or not, because his gentleness is so inviting that it almost feels as though he's submitted to you. And because some people have that feeling, all right, and their experience for them in the world, Christ and the church, they see women representing, you know, church. They see our submission to Christ, and then they see the woman helping or serving the man. They tend to think that the Holy Spirit is not just a helper, but he is a submitted entity to us because he is gentle in the helping. No, the difference between the Holy Spirit and the marriage between the woman and the man or Christ and the church is simple. The church of Jesus Christ is submitted to him. And when we call it the helper in pictures, it is really serving him. Okay. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, yes, he is serving, he is helping, he is ministering to us, but he is not a submitted person to us. On the contrary, we are submitted to him. And my fear has been that in this understanding, many people have abused that when the liberties of his graces multiply on our lives and he continues to become as gentle and more gentle. They grieve the love in his person that makes him gentle. And when that happens, when he starts to minister and work for us, because he starts to feel more submitted to us, yet his humility and gentleness is simply inviting us to deeper graces of his leadership, all right? Some people get confused. And because of that, they vie off into a false confidence and start to grieve his person because they no longer know how to operate around him, all right? He will stay with them, but he will be limited, and they might and will consequently make mistakes that will destroy them. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, the Bible says they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As led... It doesn't matter how many liberties that we express in this life. It doesn't matter how many demonstrations of power that we have. And indeed, if a man is found in the zone, I call it the zone of demonstrating power, he can look like he's in charge and in control. But really, the leading of the Holy Spirit is the present work in that hour. We are created to follow the Holy Spirit. We are created to follow the Holy Spirit. And if there are any expressions of liberty of the Spirit, those expressions are only in the confines of 
the leading of the person of the Holy Spirit. We can only express liberties as far as he has led us. We might never always tell people that we are actually being led because sometimes the expression of these liberties confuse the young and those who have not, you know, been exposed to our spaces of ministry. But it is a sad thing if it should confuse the man or the woman in the zone, in the atmosphere, in that particular glory. And I saw over the years, I saw people who got so much liberty Okay, that I started to see that in their administration, they began to command and want to control the person of the Holy Spirit in the name of the liberties of the Spirit or in their own definitions of faith. And it was hard to sit some down to tell them to understand that this is what they're doing because many of them, it's not just enough to tell them that you are actually grieving the spirit, even in your most liberated moments of demonstration. Because for many, you need to first go back and help them understand the person of the Holy Spirit because it's evident you could see that they do not know him. And you need to firstly go back to help them understand who is the Holy Spirit. And for you to be a teacher to certain people, you need to qualify to them. Right? You can be qualified or approved by God, that's one thing, but to be qualified to a man to say that you can teach me or I can hear from you, for some it's a very dead experience to even have conversations over. But I saw people, and I still now I still see great, great people who are greatly gifted of God. And you can tell when a man starts. If you have known the person of the Holy Spirit for some time, you can tell that this fellow has now entered the place of forgetting his position because the liberties continue to increase, all right? And because of that, we no longer honor the altars that the Lord has given us. We cannot understand just the blessing of standing or sitting before men to preach for him to entrust us, you know? Paul says, I thank God for counting me worthy to be called to this great ministry. We don't understand. We start to appear like we're doing God a favor. And of course, the world has a very deceived or deluded understanding of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, For the world knoweth him not, neither can it understand him. They don't know him, all right? They criticize everything they see. They criticize everything that they see us do. Oh, why are people falling under the power? Oh, why are they screaming? Why are they fanatical? A man can only be fanatical if he's not led. A man is led, he can never be fanatical. The fanaticalness of this happens when the man wants to have an experience that the Holy Spirit is not ready to give him and he is so desperate for that to happen. Of course, in every revival, in every movement, in every flame, you know, of Christian history, there will always be excesses. I always tell people there will always be excesses. But it's better to have excesses where flames, revivals, or reformations are than to have no fire at all. When you have wisdom, you can deal with the excesses through God's wisdom. But not everything is excess because it appears excess to you, all right? Not everything is so. I remember my first experience of getting, you know, slain in the spirit, okay? I had gone on a mountain, some fellow had called me to help him lead worship. He was preaching. And uh, I led worship, you know, for him to preach and stuff like that. And then the service was over. And I remember some other fellow comes in while closing prayer and, you know, joining hands and stuff. And then I remember raising my hands and, you know, I knew the service was done. And just right there, boom, the power of God comes on me in a 
level in a weight that I can never describe. I just remember my spirit was separated. I could see my body. I was conscious that there was another man in me and there was another body on the floor. I could see it. And it took me, you know, in places in the spirit that up to today, even in my preaching, I only borrow of lines, okay? I feel that the things I saw that day are so bottomless. And even if I was given a thousand years to be alive on the earth, they'll never suffice for me to fully express the things that I had in that moment for those hours. And when I come out, you know, of that experience, I am shaking. I cannot walk. My legs are out. And it's like I'm seeing people. I can't even understand what's happening. And I stay like that. I'm taken to the hostel first day, second day. Whole second day, I'm shaking. And I sober up on the third day. And what I had not known, I just remember being in my bed and I was weeping. I was weeping. Remember my roots, where I was raised, the churches I went to, nobody talked about it this way. Churches I went to were so conservative and so straight. They were so upright. Even when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about Him like that person that exists somewhere. We know what He does, but we don't know Him really, you know? And so this for me was a very funny experience because nobody manipulated me into it. Nobody talked me into it. Nobody convinced me into it. It just happened, you know. And I remember the things I saw spiritually. And during those days, I had a peace in that glory that I can never express to anyone. I had a joy in that glory that I could never express to anyone. I felt an infeel in that glory. And that infeel that feels like every moment, every ounce of wave of this person blowing over you is as though he's killing you, but you don't know what part of you is actually dying. It's later that I understood that he was killing me, he was killing the flesh. I understand what it means to be baptized in Christ. It's more than just what you call the water immersion. It's deeper than that, you know. John the Baptist said that I baptize you with water, you know, but the one which is coming, he shall baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. I know what it is. I know. I know that feeling, you know. I felt like there was a man in me that was dying, okay, and I knew that if this God does not stop, he will kill me. I knew, but I was not afraid to die, but I was still wondering what this dying looks like, you know. And God can flood you until you want him to stop. Not because you want him to stop, but I was almost conscious that I think I could leave this world. I had a similar experience a couple of months later, but this first one for me was very defining. Why am I sharing? You'll understand why I'm sharing. And I remember during that time, we used to have evening meetings in one of those classes. And I remember one of those days I enter the class to pray because we used to pray lunch, but we also used to pray in the evenings, all right? Some evenings, we just used to take off times and pray with my friends. And I remember that day, one particular day, after that experience, I didn't even know what had happened. I didn't have anyone in my life to explain to me what this was new. When the coastal churches we went to during that time, didn't see any manifestation of any sort. They were just speaking wonderful English and, you know, encouraging, but people were dying. And I had questions, but there are things that I never answered, okay? And I remember entering a room and sat in the back, and uh, we lifted our hands to pray. And I started to feel a power rising up in me. 
And I would almost see him telling me, I'm the same person you met on that mountain. I'm here with you. And I remember the surrounding of where I was standing started to, you know, burn with a power that I did not have definitions for. I was quiet in my prayer. I was not the kind who liked sitting on the front. I always loved sitting in the back. I never liked, I have never been the kind to like cameras or I've never been the kind to seek attention. I've never been an attention seeker. Till now, if I'm not standing on the pulpit to preach Christ, I'm not someone who really likes, you know, the audience. I'm not that kind of man. And I remember I was in the back and the power of God hits everybody that was around me. And they all fall down under the power, slain. I don't know how it happened. I don't even understand what was happening. First I thought, okay, maybe it's just a coincidence. So after all of them fell and chairs were all in, I shifted, okay? And I went to another place, you know, because there was a lot of, you know, a confusion around there. The way people fell into chairs and stuff like that it was so confusing for me. And so I shift and I go to another place. And, you know, I said, okay, let me just continue in my own fellowship. And the next thing I know, it happens again in the same area. Ba -ba 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 -ba, and everyone fell under the power of the Holy Spirit. So I knew there was some. And I remember during that time, for example, if I had a friend who was sick, say, oh, are you sick? Can I lay hands on them? The moment I put my hands on them, boom, they pass out, whether we're on a road or on the street or in class, it just used to happen. And then this power comes over me that I had no control over. And then during that time, of course, the Lord said to walk through me and I started to share the word and preach, you know, after some days of leading worship. And I remember one of those days I was invited to a local church and I was just talking about God. And the next thing I know, without warning me, this person comes and fills that room and men started falling off their chairs like somebody had sent a gas or something and they just started to pass out. Poo, poo. And then a few of them started manifesting spirits coming out of them, demon spirits speaking in them. And in just seconds, the church that I'd gone to was also a one conservative one. So the pastors are so scared. They don't know how to deal with this mess. I look like it's something I've been doing all my life and I do not know how. Okay, but the power of God was so mighty. Miracles were happening in that meeting and the presence was so full, it was so thick. And I remember when the power of God lingered in that room, I remember a lot happened. And after that overnight, which, you know, the presence of God lingered that whole night, the next day I was summoned by some of these guys who had invited us. And they said, look, we have reservations on this thing, you know, you call the Holy Spirit because we've never seen him that way. Yes, the miracles are there, the wonders are there. We saw demons screaming out of people, but this is not quite what we believe, okay? And so they started to teach me, to take me back, to make me understand, oh, you know, this is another spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't slay people. And then and, and I got so confused. And the next thing I heard conversations in the area where I was living, they started to say, oh, that there's a young man who has devils on him. He walks under devils is this. It was in that innocent heart. And I remember I got so confused and I went back home and I locked myself in the room and I prayed and I said, I did not ask for this. You know, I don't even know how this comes. But all I know is that demons scream out of people, people get healed. And I know the peace. I see the salvation. I see the fruit. Okay. But what is this? I don't get it. I don't see it in the theology teaching. I don't see it anywhere. But I probably have clues on things I've seen probably on television, a few snippets that I'd seen probably on the TVs then, but it was something small. It didn't really make sense for me. The church that raised me had not done that. I had not seen my man of God, you know, speaking and people were falling under the power of the Holy Spirit. It scared me, right? And in my most innocent heart, 
And I walked to my brother, who was a, a man of God, who's a believer, who's a pastor now. He used to tell me, God will use you, God will use you. He always saw that light in me, but I never believed that I'll be a preacher. In the top 100 things to do, the one thing I never thought I was ever going to do was preaching the gospel. And uh, I asked him, in my most innocent sense, I say, I went to this church and I narrated to him the ordeal and I asked him, am I cult? Because he was the only person I could trust to tell me the truth. And he told me, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the person of the Holy Spirit. He said, that's the person of the Holy Spirit. You cannot control him. He has his ways of doing. And he comforted me and told me, no, no, what you're dealing with is the Holy Spirit. That's what it does. It does many such things. And as you live in ministry, you're going to see many glorious days like that. Okay, never be sorry, you know, for standing to preach and he manifests himself. You'll always do that in your life. It's who you are, you know. And, and he started to explain to me who the person of the Holy Spirit was. And I understood him. I understood him. And the more I preached, the more he defined himself. I've been in places where I would just read one, two lines uh, of the word and boom, they're out. People are filled with the Holy Spirit. But nobody can explain the glorious experience of the person of the Holy Spirit when he encounters a man. And in my head, I have always thought that the human body was not made to withstand certain power, you know, depending on where we're at individually with God and our places and exposure to the Spirit. I believe that this body, this terrestrial being, I don't think he can contain a certain amount of power. And I've seen it. I have heard it in my own personal life. But I cannot explain what happens when he's there. I can only know that he's there. And I can understand that it's his work. I can understand that he will do whatever he will. So whatever liberties he gives me, do as thou willest. I am here with you. I only know He's not telling me that that means that I can now switch on my carnal way and do things my own way, you know. The wisdom of God that allows us to execute and act in the liberties of the Spirit is not besides the leading of the person of the Holy Spirit, okay. It only tunes to a very fully yielded vessel, all right. And that yielded vessel feels like it has a liberty but that liberty is still in the confines of the leading of this person. I could never express that enough, and I don't think I have the words to express it. But you see, some people have a problem with that because they do not know that we, human beings, whether you're born again or not, you're under some spirit. You're under the influence of some spirit. You subscribe to obedience, to a certain spirit, whether you know it or not. I'll show you something in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1. If you read the Amplified Version, he says, And you he made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins, in which at one time you walked habitually. Right? You were following the course and fashion of this world. You were under, listen to that, the sway of the tendency of this present age, following. You might not know that you were following, but you were. You were following the prince of the power of the air. And he says you were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. Wow! 
Oh, you know, those born-again Christians, they get some spirit on them, and then they fall down, and then they scream. You who is speaking, if you're not born again, he's saying, even without knowing, you are obedient to and under the control of some spirit. Every man on the earth, whether born again or not, is under the control of a spirit. The only difference is that we are under the control of the person of the Holy Spirit. But anybody that is not in this glorious light is under the control and obedience of some spirit. They just do not know, but they are. They are. Your actions, if you're not born again, are under a certain spirit. Your talk is under a certain spirit. Your reaction to things is under a certain spirit. It doesn't matter how good you are, because goodness is not salvation. Men are not saved because of how good they are. Jesus did not come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men live. It's a life thing. All right? So what we ignore is the things that we see in the world. So if they worry that people get slain or fall under the power of God, look at what the spirit of this world, the prince of this world does to men. What they do with that. At least the man will get slain, get up and be filled with life and then, you know, be energized and rejuvenated and aligned to the will and purposes of God. Some of us, when we went under the power, we raised up different men. All right? Some, of course, are still under a work in progress. We've had challenges. People who are slain by the power of the Holy Spirit, but they still stand up. They still they're wicked, disrespectful, and, you know, and unwise people because they also have their other dealings. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit has not ministered to them. It only means that they still have a will to decide and say, look, I think I can honor and respond to what the Spirit is trying to do in me, or I can still resist His work in my life. You can resist the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can quench him, all right? But that's another thing. So are you telling me that the people falling on the floor or that are weeping under the power of God or laughing under the power of God are more dangerous than the men in the world that are making nuclear warhead, atomic bombs? And it surprise you that certain nations have weaponry that can destroy the earth in hours or seconds? Why are they keeping it? Who are they keeping it for? Which man made nerve agents? Which man made bombs? Why would they make bombs? All right? Under what influence would they make bombs? Look at the wickedness in the world. Look at the scientists that go into laboratories to make diseases, to kill people. Look at the people that enter homes and instead of taking a mobile phone, he gets, you know, a hammer and crushes a man's head for a phone that is not more than... 30 or 40 dollars. How about that? What about the people that murder innocent people? How is that more sane and sober than what the person of the Holy Spirit will do or is doing in the lives of people? All right? So anybody, everybody in this world is under the influence of a spirit, either the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, or another spirit, which is of darkness. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, Okay, he says, now, he says, we have received not the spirit of this world. We have received not the spirit of this world. He says, but the spirit which is of God. We've not received the spirit of this world. No, we've received the spirit which is of God. The spirit with which we walk is different from the spirit of this world. It's different. 
is different. The Bible speaks of two things. The Bible speaks of communion with the Spirit, right? And the Bible speaks of a fellowship in the Spirit, okay? This person wants to connect and relate with you. He wants to communicate to you and you communicate to him like the best friend you'll ever have. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. In function, his ministration is here on the earth to relate with you so you'll never feel alone. And I understood that at a very young age. And when I got to know this person, something remarkable happened to me. The world became different. Most importantly, I got a friend that I started to relate with that the world can never understand. And sometimes I wish it's easy to invite many believers into that space because many people watching me actually have not had that experience to relate with him. The consecrated life is a very, very, very lonely life because it pushes you to solitude. But it is not lonely as one who is alone. No, it is lonely as one who is set apart to be alone with the person of the Holy Spirit. There are days I just want to lock myself in a room and I still do it. I just want to be with him because when he's there and I'm here, we understand each other. I had to even learn to relate with people. Because as a man of the Spirit, when you do not learn the wisdom to reconcile, to know, okay, now I'm in public or I'm before my children or my family and loved ones. Now I have to be no more. I probably am playing sports. Or if I'm with the boys, I have to be the basketballer. If you don't have that wisdom, it starts to even mess the things that are around you. It starts to. I've seen it. I know it. I've had moments where some of my family members could not relate with me when I'm in a certain zone and I had to know, okay, now this, you require wisdom to know that now they want you as their brother or their son or their husband. They want you that way and it's just that wisdom to know, right? But I've had moments where somebody cannot enter the room that I'm in because the presence of God is there. I've had experiences where people can't shake my hands because he's there, he's there. He's not a power that I, okay, it's more than just switching it on and off. It's more than that. It's probably the wisdom to know, oh, I have to be present here. And my gentle friend understands and it's his wisdom to teach me. He has taught me, learn to relate with them this way. So I know that. But I have those moments where it's just him and I can feel that tangible place. And sometimes I'm driving and he's there. I feel him. He's tangible. He's speaking so loud. I hear him so loud. I have to tell him, wow, that's deep. That's wonderful. When you understand him, the things he will teach you will amaze you. I speak things I've never read or heard anywhere. And I know that it's not my wisdom, my mind. If it was just intellect, then the brightest boys in school or brightest girls in school would be the greatest teachers of the world. It's more than your intellect. It's his teaching. It's his relationship that he has with you. I wish I could make people understand. 
You know, some people ask me, oh, why is it that people come to Fanero? You see the numbers growing, we see the eight, 7,000. You know, sometimes we push on, you know, to bigger meetings or, you know, anniversaries go to 20,000 and stuff, crusades to the 30,000, 40,000, 50,000. We see the people. And some people ask, but how, what is that thing? That, and I want to tell them, look, whether they are conscious or not, when somebody steps in my meeting, they will feel a certain atmosphere. It's a certain atmosphere. It has no words. It has no words. When I worship, they feel something that has no words. That's my friend vindicating me, justifying me by his ways of convincing and telling them that this is a man of God. You are in the presence of God and God is here. That's what brings men every day. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit, no man would step in my meetings. I've seen him on crusade grounds. Those of them that have been with us in crusades, they will tell you that as I'm preaching, you know, the lamps start walking out. People walk out of their wheelchairs. People start throwing away their clutches. As I am ministering, oh, as you were speaking, my ear opened. As you were speaking, the child started to see this blind fellow, his eyes open. I don't have the control over that. All I know is he speaks and I can hear him speaking that I'm doing this. I'm doing this. It's so effortless to walk in the miraculous. So effortless. But I know that the moment I've spoken for those minutes, and then I know that now it's the time. I just feel him. And I can almost tell. And in the things I see him operating on, it's when now the words of knowledge start dropping. God is healing so-and-so. God is healing so-and-so. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about God healing diseases, blood diseases. A gentleman sent us an email. He has been suffering from HIV since 2017. He's checked himself over and over. He can't find the virus in his body. But it's the words of knowledge that are coming. You can see God do it. You can see and say, oh, there's a lady here. You're on my left side and you have a, a swelling. It, it's on your right side and it has been there for three, four weeks. I see he's doing it. And sometimes I would call out people and say, hey, woman, I see you have a swelling in your breast. You've carried it. How would I know that? My friend is telling me he's present. He's, he's that hour. That's the one that tells you how to deal, who to deal with, who to marry, where to go. And even when you go off the course and make mistakes, you would know that he warned you. The mistakes that I've made in life, and some, you know, were big, okay? But I can remember every time my gentle friend always told me, you're going the wrong way. It's just that I went ahead or against, but I knew he kept speaking. He kept warning me, you know, and then I had to go back and tell him, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, I know, I know my mistakes. And the moment you're speaking, it is said, uh-uh, it's fine, it's fine. It's like from the moment you realized your error, he had forgotten it and erased it out of history. Out of history. It's gone. It's not there anymore. And he begins over with you like you're the best thing he knows and you've met the first time. He sees you in your purity and your perfectness. And he tells you, oh, by the way, remember what we're talking about. And the conversation continues like that. What a beautiful place. What a beautiful place. That is the person that sustains our ministries. That's the person that sustains our lives. And he continues to stay gentle. Only I charge you, when the gentleness of the Spirit invites you to depth and glories and the gifts of God start to work in your life in graces and places that you can never imagine, never forget that he's still the leader and you follow. I've seen and I've heard ministers in expressions speaking 
in ways as though they control the spirit and they can do whatever they want when they want. That is not true. We might appear to be so free to do whatever we want, but I can tell you every step, every hand of stretch, every walk, every look, every action is all controlled by the leading of the person of the Holy Spirit. It says, for as many as are led by the Holy Spirit, so are they the heos, the Greek word, the mature sons, the mature ones of God. So as you continue to mature in God, the more he leads and you learn to follow, the more you are awakened into the glory to follow. And so our Savior still leads us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Stay a follower of the person of the Holy Spirit. And many things he'll reveal, for the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee and the revealer of the things that are freely given unto us. And sometimes in this freedom, when we're exposed to the things that are freely given unto us, sometimes we think that we have a right over those things without his aid, his help, his ministration and his existence. That, that's not so. He is the serving one, but the leading servant. And so I've seen people grieve seen people star things and many ministers, sadly, and Christians have been so destroyed, so destroyed. Because at one particular point, they stopped following so long ago. The gifts of the Spirit and the workings of His grace have stayed available to them because God's love is unconditional. But there are people who stopped following him long ago. Although take advantage of his works and the giftings that are without repentance. All right? If you are anointed to heal, even when you stop following the Spirit, you can continue healing under the gift. But there is a justification that will frustrate the authority by which you speak in the Spirit realm. And only men of the Spirit will design and say he is a gifted or she is a gifted individual in the prophetic or healing or demonstration of power. But when it comes to the authority of the spirit, something is dying or dead in them. And that consequently shows in the ministry. You later start to see your ministry dying. You start to see things around you starting to die because you stopped following long ago. You stopped following long ago. One thing that I want to finish with that happened to me years ago, something remarkable happened. And in that remarkable happening from that particular day, he said something that stuck with me. He said, because we've connected, I'd connected with him, you know, in a certain way. And I remember him telling me that um, your life, the things that will happen in your life, we committed and said, I will always tell you things. I will always tell you things. You know, before they happen. And at first, in my first earlier primal years of that experience, I used to tell everyone everything. Oh, the Spirit showed me this. The Spirit showed me that. The Spirit showed me this. It became so much that I said to become crazy around the people around me. And I remember the day I just had to stop. And I kept quiet and said, I think I'm not going to say this anymore. But that didn't mean it stopped. No. 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 Recently, I had a challenge with somebody who was trying to rob me of something of mine that belonged to me. And I remember that morning I prayed. And in the morning when I prayed, in that vision, the Spirit of the Lord showed me a person, a 
a politician lady, and he showed me this picture of a woman. I have never met her before. I have seen her on TV once or twice, probably heard of her name two or three times. And this politician lady comes in my vision, for example. And uh, when she comes in my vision, the face lingers and lingers and lingers. And I hear him gently telling me, she'll be your help. I did not know how. And what happens? Coincidentally, the person who was fighting with me against my property was related to that woman and I did not know. And so when we were summoned to meet and discuss these things, this person called that woman to fight for him against me. And when the meeting appears, I see that woman with the person who was fighting against my property. And when that woman appears with him, the spirit tells me that was I was telling you earlier. Oh, good. I couldn't tell the lady I saw you in the morning. When I saw her, I knew it was done. And guess what? We sit in this meeting, and he's expecting this political lady to side with him over my property because he had prepped her in his own way. He narrates the story in my presence. I did not even give a defense. This lady turns to the person and tells him, look, I think you are not fair here. I think this is not the right way. Much as you had called me to, you know, intermediate this conversation, I think that you are wrong here, you are wrong here, you are wrong here, and I think the right thing should be done, you know, to speed up the process for this man to receive back his property. This woman judged in my favor, turned to the person who had called her to fight for her, and instead started correcting him on what he was supposed to do. And consequently, she even helped us draft an agreement as a witness to make sure that the right thing was executed on my behalf. God had sent a helper for me. That is how the Holy Spirit fights your battles. When you have that kind of person, you will never stand before men to defend yourself. You will never. Because he tells you in my own gentle way, I have all the strength and power and I can use anybody to plead your case. Okay? It's the phone calls I receive. He tells me somebody's going to call you to do this. Somebody's going to call you to do that. You're going to walk in there and you're going to meet so-and-so. Recently, I remember I was at home and the Spirit told me, drive right now to a particular petrol station and park there. And I drove and I parked on that particular station and I stayed there for a couple of minutes. And then a group of guys came to meet me. They wanted to share with me something. There were two guys from a media company. Hi, Apostle, it's good to meet you. Da, 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 da. We have, they spoke to me about something. And then after sharing with them, I promised to see them over something. And then when I was done, I thought, oh, maybe God had sent me here to meet these guys. And when I was getting back in the car, the Spirit of the Lord told me, not yet. Not yet. I'm not done. And so I stay in the car. And as I'm staying in the car, a young man comes and parks behind me and then sees me in the car. Then he runs and says, Apostle, I want to speak to you. Okay? And then he comes to me. And then I say, okay, what's up? Tells me, Apostle, I was just driving. I had come to take fuel. Right now I was going to cheat on my woman. Right this particular moment. In fact, the money that I have in my pocket, I was going to take to another woman. I was going to cheat on my woman. I'm being so lost and disconnected with God. I am so confused. And he told me, I last saw you in 2014 in a meeting. Imagine that. This is 2020. But as I was in the petrol station, as I'd packed to fuel, I saw you in that car and I felt so convicted and I felt I cannot do this. So 
what is God telling you? And then when I opened my mouth, I start speaking into this young man's life. And then I went back years ago and the Lord showed me at a point when he was going to die and what was going to kill him. And he was shocked that these words of knowledge were dropping. And I start ministering to him and the power of God comes strongly on him. And I see his breaks and recommits his life to Christ at that very moment. And then after, you know, he hugs me, thank you. And he gets back into his car and he says, let me drive back home. I understood that that's what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. But I must be a follower. He's a leader. And many such things I could explain because my life has been characterized with that. I have realized when you get to know him, nothing becomes a mistake. I meet people. He tells me the people before I meet them. Events happen and I know what is happening before him. I've been in vision. He tells me, oh, this is speaking. This person is speaking evil of you. But say nothing to them. Say nothing about them. Treat them no more. Love them. Wait, I have a dealing with them later. I'll restore them at one point. And if the Holy Spirit tells you to keep quiet, you don't say anything. Okay? You just keep quiet and just watch God do his work. Then later they come and say, oh, I'm sorry I said this about you. But I knew it. I knew it. And for some, I would even tell them if he allows me. It's, it's the things that start to happen by day to day, the deals, the contracts, the businesses, the friends, the commitments, the men of God, the ministers. Everything starts to come in this circle where nothing happens before he shows you. He starts to tell you, I am leading you into this. And there are things he will tell me, well, this is coming, but don't go into it. If I pray... And I'm not hiding over an issue or an event or a commitment. I will wait even to the last day. Because I don't move until I hear him. And that's the result of the ministry. That's how he has led me. Funer is successful. My life is successful. Every aspect of my life is successful. The treasure is in earthen vessels and is perfecting every day. But I met a friend. I have him. I know him. And I pray for you right now. May the Holy Spirit become so real to you. May you have a fellowship with him that you'll never have words to describe. And I feel him even as I'm speaking right now. He's present. He's healing. He's setting free. He's delivering. He's delivering. He's working in your house. He's working in your finances. He's working in your ministry. He is talking to you right now. May God give you an experience with him. Not one experience, but an ever constant life of experiences with him in fellowship and communion, that you will be so one with him that you will know that you're not alone. Yes, there'll be moments where you'll, you'll separate yourself. Solitude will take you because as he consecrates you, he wants you for himself. And the moments with him cannot be compared to any moment with anybody in this world. He has a way to satisfy and minister. I pray you'll know him today. I'll pray that he will make things so easy for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, may you follow as he leads. Amen. So for those of you who have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. If you are there, I want you to repeat these words after me. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love, 
for your mercy, for your grace, and for dying for my sins and raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.